Hello, Lionfoot Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with the Lionfoot Class Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the show, and welcome back to the podcast. I did take the month of September off. Just a lot going on. I have never really taken, I mean, I've taken some mini breaks before, but to just take a month off, uh, no posting on Instagram, no writing. I still did the the newsletter because I do enjoy uh, putting that out every week, and I didn't want to really miss out on that, but everything else kind of took a break, a content break. So I thank you all first for giving me the time, the space to kind of just have a month of catching up on life, focusing in on things and moving forward. And I'm very excited to be back. I'm very excited to be putting out podcasts again, posting on the Instagram and everything else in between. Like I just mentioned, you can go to lineclickthoughts.com and hit subscribe and you will find all the um, information to sign up for that pod- or for the newsletter there. Uh, I really enjoy the newsletter this week. I'm sharing my favorite box mac and cheese, the uh, the per- potential decline, I guess, of enrollment in culinary schools, and another article I found very useful uh, from Eater. So go to lineclickthoughts.com, put in your email, and hit subscribe to get a short newsletter from me every Monday called Prepless Items, and you will get that delivered to your inbox every Monday. All right. Awesome. So my guest today is someone that has been on the show before. Her name is Mary King. And I first want to say just thank you and a big shout out to Mary. She has been someone who has been uh, instrumental in helping me get new writing gigs. I do write freelance for fitsmallbusiness.com and for um, Technology Advice, which is their uh, parent company. And so I really, really do want to say thank you to Mary King, to everyone at uh, fitsmallbusiness.com, all the people I've worked with, and to just thank them for the opportunity to write. And I wanted to share that off the bat. I'm a writer for them. I've done guides like The Best Chef Knives. Um, I've done stuff such as like the best commercial ranges in the kitchen. So I do do a lot of freelance writing for them. I really enjoy it. And I've really enjoyed the relationship with them. But before even that, I've known Mary since uh, I think 2019 or 2020. We did a podcast about her work, her career. And she's back on the podcast to talk about all things going on in the industry. So I'm very excited for you to hear this episode. A little bit about Mary. She is a restaurant veteran with over 14 years of hospitality experience most of them in management. With experience in everything from coffee shops to Michelin star fine dining, she has seen multiple operations from the inside. She now shares her industry knowledge on the small business-focused digital publication, Fit Small Business, as a staff writer and restaurant specialist. You can find her on LinkedIn or fitsmallbusiness.com, and I will share both of those links in the description of the episode. Uh, in this episode, we talk about a lot. We talk about ghost kitchens. Uh, we talk about what small uh, you know, business operators are looking for. Uh, stories from the restaurant industry and a bunch of other things, AI, technology, it all is in this episode. So I will let you all get to this conversation with Mary. I really enjoyed talking with her. So Mary, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you all for listening and really, really excited to be back on the podcast. What a great first guest to be going back into October. Here we go. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the show. Uh, If you want to start off by introducing yourself, that would be great. Hi, I'm Mary King. I'm a senior staff writer and restaurant specialist for Fit Small Business, which is a 
partner with Technology Advice. Awesome. And we'll talk about this later on in the episode, but I do do some food freelance writing for uh, small business and technology advice. So um, yeah, really excited to have you on the show. Uh, the last time we spoke, Mary's actually been on the podcast before. It was episode 74. It was March 1st of 2020. So right before oh COVID hit. I remember recording that rest of the, that episode in my uh, apartment in downtown Chicago. And I don't even think COVID really was much of a thought then. I mean, it was coming yeah. up, but it wasn't like we were going to shut down. So, oh my gosh, we were babies. We had no idea what was coming for us in mere yeah. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I looked back and I, I thought it was pr- kind of wild that that was. Um, so we, we probably we recorded in mid February and then I posted in March. So that's pretty crazy the timeline on that. So that is wanna... the industry has changed so much since yeah. our last conversation. It definitely has. And I think it's interesting to kind of look at, I, I do want to start out with the uh, ghost kitchen concept. But before we get into um, kind of more conversation, though, I guess some high level review, if you want to just share briefly what you do um, or what you've been doing within the writing space, because I think it will just uh, give the listeners kind of a sense of like, the because you go over so many, so much small business uh, work, uh, any like restaurant work. So just giving the readers kind of a sense of what you're seeing and how you're working and what that leads to you having some expertise in this. Yeah. So um, I'm a senior staff writer for Fit Small Business, and that is a website that is focused exclusively on writing uh, business advice and software reviews for small, independently owned businesses. Um, And I know restaurants in particular, independent restaurants, are basically an entirely different business than a chain restaurant or an enterprise level restaurant. Um, I worked in restaurants for 14 years, most of that time as a manager, almost entirely in mom and pop independently owned restaurants from Chicago to Oklahoma City to about 12 years in Los Angeles. And now I live in Vermont and I work from home writing for Fit Small Business, sharing what I've learned about restaurants and uh, sort of some high-level industry analysis. And so it's really great to use the experience that I had to um, teach others. Definitely. No, and definitely uh, just, you know, really focusing on your expertise with like small businesses. I do want to shout out, even though I do do some writing for them, I will say that having the site for technology advice, and I'll have a link to this in the description, um, having that site, I feel like it would be so helpful and impactful. There's guides to like, um, food costs, there's guys to how to build out a restaurant, like pretty much anything you could like stoves, like every, anything you could ask for in a small business, like setting, I think it's all there. So I think it's very exciting. It's always being updated. But uh, starting out, I'd love to kind of get your take on uh, ghost kitchens and small businesses. I know during COVID, there was a big push for ghost kitchens, a big push to have small businesses convert to them. I know when I was jobless, and during COVID, I did Uber Eats. And I remember going to um, I tried Uber Eats for like a few a week or two and going to these kitchens and um, trying to figure it out. And it was crazy that there'd be so many concepts. I then stopped Uber Eats because it was terrible. But um, I, just looking at <laughs> looking at like the Mr. Beast issues, looking at representation of chefs, what are your thoughts on ghost kitchens now at the end of 2023? Are you getting a lot of um, feedback from people working in them? Is it as like popular now as it's been? Like where, what, did your, what is your like grasp on that right now? So I think ghost kitchens were really exciting. I think ghost kitchens, especially during COVID, they were really exciting. Um, The restaurant model, as we 
operate now has been around since like the 1860s. You know, there's not a lot, uh, there's not 27 different ways to serve a hamburger to somebody, you know? And so the ghost kitchen, I think, was really um, enticing during mm -hmm. COVID, especially when dining rooms were closed. But I think the ghost kitchen is a really excellent example of what happens when folks who have not been in the industry and been in the trenches doing the work um, for years, I think there it's a real illustration of how a concept developed by someone who has not been in the industry, working in kitchens, working in dining rooms, um, misses a lot of what makes the industry work. And I think anyone who is really looking at the ghost kitchen model should have seen that it would not be a landscape changer. You know, a ghost kitchen was great for COVID because you couldn't have dining rooms. Great. But really where I see it going now is being more of a model for like supporting college campuses during the school year when there's a huge influx of students and maybe in the summers, not so much. Um, I see it being a way to maybe have more variety and better food around hospitals and major institutional settings like that. Um, I don't think that it is going to be, I mean, this could be a terrible prediction, but <laughs> I don't think the ghost kitchen is going to have as much longevity as maybe people outside the industry who are focused mostly just on innovation without being deeply familiar with the industries they're trying to innovate um, may have thought. Yeah. And I know you've done, we've done some content on the site and that you guys have published some content. Are you from small business in particular? And if you don't have a direct answer, that's fine. But have you noticed a decline in interest from small businesses in the ghost kitchen? Yeah. That's what I figured. Yeah. There there has been a decline in interest mostly after the, um, I think it was Grubhub and Uber started cracking down on the number of concepts. Because mm -hmm. of course, obviously, um, if you could run 30 concepts from a single kitchen, why wouldn't you? And why wouldn't you post that menu with 30 different concepts? Because it's you're just going to take up more real estate on the site. And of course, it makes sense that many people would try this and then the platforms yeah. would start looking crazy. Um, so it was, people were always going to try to leverage it, to make it work as, as, um, as much as possible. And I think that was where I really started to see the drop off in interest was when Uber Eats and Grubhub and the platform started shutting down these multiple accounts. Okay. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I think for, um, you know, watching ghost kitchens and I think the Mr. Beast lawsuit, I know I just did a podcast on that a couple months ago. And what you said about people not really understanding the restaurant industry and getting into it, I really do wonder how it's going to affect not just ghost kitchens, but just restaurant enterprise itself. Because I definitely feel in the era of TikTok and celebrities, like everyone has a food concept. And so I'm really interested to see how that plays out. Uh, just because I, I really want to know how representation like that works and everything else in between and who's liable. And if you put your name on something, like you're kind of endorsing it. But if you're being misrepresented by poor quality, it's it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, how how could you possibly be keeping an eye on quality when you're expanding to something like 3,000 locations immediately? Yeah. Um, it was insane. 
the growth I mean, you think and just in theory, the money. Yeah. Well, if you've never been in the industry, you think, oh, it's a kitchen. They cook food. They can read recipes. They know this. And it's like, well, yeah, but it doesn't take long before someone starts thinking, well, if I buy this other meat instead of the one you're telling me to buy, I make a bigger profit margin. So I'm going to do that. Or we ran out of this sauce. I'm just going to substitute something else to keep the money flowing. Nobody's checking on me. Like, of course, this is this is going to happen. Um, food quality is also, I think, one of the major, there was a, a survey that came out not too long ago, something like 68, 70% of customers say food quality is their highest priority when they're yeah. um, dining out at a restaurant. I mean, that's always been the case. That's always been true. But, you know, that would tank a virtual brand really fast. People are mm -hmm. looking for quality. They're going with a brand that they think is recognizable and then they don't get it. And of course, you're competing with brands that are very good at doing this. McDonald's is very good at giving you the same hamburger at every single McDonald's you go to. Starbucks is very good at giving you the same caramel macchiato everywhere you go. I mean, I said caramel macchiato. What am I thinking? It's pumpkin spice season. I know. <laughs> but this is, you know, you you can't, I mean, for all the hate it gets, like the pumpkin spice latte is an industry inspiration. Yeah. You know, it became a juggernaut. It kind of changed society. <laughs> There's a whole yeah. season for it now, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, you you have brands that are really good at doing it. So consumers are accustomed to getting that high quality from a recognizable brand. So then you come out of the gate saying, I'm turning my recognizable brand into a food brand. You have to be sure the quality is there because consumers have too many options right now. They're not going to stick with you. Definitely. Keeping in line with more so modern tech, but going to automation and more so how mm. small businesses are interacting with that. I think there's definitely a fear and a worry that as we get more and more into these conglomerates of major businesses, um, the Mr. Beast Burgers, just the chain restaurants, that we're going to have a almost, I almost see a gap in just techno, technological ability between major restaurants and just like small businesses that can't afford like automated tools and whatnot. Are you getting a lot of, um, I guess, requests or ask for information on automation in restaurants or at least new technology? Yeah, p readers are very interested in that. And honestly, I have to tell you from um, one of the things that I really love about my job now versus when I was managing restaurants is I have the time that I never had as a restaurant manager to sit down and actually research these things, to actually research what tools are available um, and who can provide them and how much they cost. I used to only be able to look at something when I reached a pain point and hit a wall. And I was like, is there an app that can count my inventory for me? Because I'm going crazy. Um, yeah. So I have that time to, to take a look at the landscape. And the landscape I'm seeing is actually that the technology gap between small independent restaurants and the major chains like the Dardens and the Hillstones, that gap is actually narrowing because mm. Technology that used to be so expensive, like you you had brands, the major brands that built their own point of sale systems and they were excellent and they were tailor-made and they did everything that they needed to do. And all the rest of us had to make do with a Posi Touch or an Aloha and try to make it work for us. And yeah. no, no shade. Those are great systems. They're all great systems. The best POS is the one that does what you need it to do and that you can afford. End of. But yeah. 
there are so many inexpensive restaurant software solutions now that do things that the restaurants I managed never could have afforded hmm. 10, 15 years ago. Um, do you have any examples of those that are on yeah, top of mind? So there's um, the pizza uh, point of sale slice register just came out, I think, within the last two years during COVID. Okay. And they actually have voice ordering built in to the point of sale. Mm. So, I mean, this is close to my heart because my stepdad is a, he calls himself a pizza man, but he's really, you know, a line cook sous chef. At times he's been a GM at some of the places he worked, but he's a pizza man. Uh, nice. Knowing what I used to, on Thanksgiving breaks in college, I used to go down and, and work in his pizza shop a little bit. But um, knowing what that's like with trying, the phone is ringing off the hook. You can only take so many phone calls. The, the call waiting's going off. Things are rolling into voicemail. You're missing orders. To know that there's an affordable software system out there that can answer mm. that phone for my stepdad. Yeah. He doesn't have to do it. Now, I have not seen um, error reports on this. I don't know how accurate the voice ordering is, but I do know that Slice has it. And I do know that mm. people are using it. And I think it's a really interesting idea. It's only going to get better. And if you already have an affordable point of sale doing it, I mean, that's going to expand very quickly. And I think that kind of automation can actually help. I've, we've seen it in uh, reservation systems too, yep. starting to add the voice um, AI, the automatic, the automated attendant. I think that's a real game changer because if you can have someone answer the phone, mm. if you can have a robot answer your phone. Yeah. My only question is the accuracy. I want to see, I want to get more information on that. Yeah, definitely. Another, I'll shout out a company, um, Hospitality Innovations, a uh, friend of the uh, show, Anthony, um, someone I've worked with in the past. He started this company and it's an order inventory app where it all seamlessly integrates your inventory. You're ordering from your different vendors. Um, mm. So it's just like applications like that that are really useful. Super time saver. Yeah. And, you know, you go and you have order guides and you have all this paper and stuff from different consumers and just like the time saving to have it all put together into an app and then also know your inventory and know what's on hand and know the cost of it. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, but no, I think that's interesting, the whole automation and just being more, being more able to receive things, especially as a small business. Uh, I think another big tool that a lot of people have been using that I've talked to is ChatGPT um, and just mm. like language learning models. Uh, I think that a lot of people that go again, I'd love to hear your thoughts, but a lot of people go against ChatGPT chat gpt and it's like oh it's thinking for you and i think if you were like yeah give me an exact recipe for an exact dish and then maybe that's like not great but if you think about like just the ease of information like my favorite cookbook of all time is the flavor bible that's the oh, I, I love think, that book it's a go-to book it's amazing and i still use it i've used it this week like i still use it to this day you mentioned it but, in the guide that you wrote recently yeah like yes. i was like oh the flavor bible i love that book <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's great. Culinary artistry by them is great. Um, but then, and I use that because I'm so familiar and used to it. But if you were to look at that same function in ChatGPT on the app on your phone and the speed of which you could just type things in, it's a little, it is quicker and it's more efficient. Or just, okay, what vegetables are in season right now? And just getting a whole mm. list of in, if I'm in New York State, what vegetables are in season right now? Like, 
stuff like that, I think is really important and really key. So I think that the less friction you have to information that's going to help you be a better cook, especially in a small business, I think is important. So I always stress like use these. Yes, automation and AI is scary, but it's here and you should use it to your advantage and ways of like creativity and stuff like that. I I love your your thought there and the phrase about friction. I mm. uh, learned to cook. I always loved to cook, but I learned to cook mostly by experimenting in my parents' kitchen because they were not cooks. And my mom had this chart. It was like a poster inside that was she had stuck up inside the uh, cupboard. So when you open the cupboard, you could see the poster. And it was like what herbs and spices go together. And it was just a grid. It was a simple grid, but you would have, you know, I would start with like, okay, I have oregano. And, and I think there was a column with like proteins or vegetables and whatever. And I was like, okay, I have chicken and oregano. And like, what else can I add? Like, oh, cumin, like that would be interesting. Yeah. And that was how I learned to cook. That's kind of like an AI kind of thing too. Like I didn't know what question to ask, but my question was, what spices go together? I have chicken. What spices go with oregano? I could ask ChatGBT that. I happened mm. to, little 12-year-old me, have a grid stuck in my cupboard that I could look at. But it is, I agree with you, it's about a frictionless way to get the information you need. And I think um, in this industry in particular, the most successful people I have seen in my career are people who want to learn and they are willing to teach themselves. There's a huge uh, tradition of teaching yourself. You know, most restaurants are not going to say, hey, get your SOM certification. But the number of people I know who just decided to go do that, um, to go get the information, to follow their interests. I think things like ChatGPT and AI can just make it faster to mm. get to that information. If I had had something like that at 22, when I was starting out in the industry, um, something I could ask questions and it would give me answers so I wouldn't be embarrassed. I think about, you know, sometimes in kitchens, I don't know if it's, if it's better now, but when I was first getting started in 2005, um, yes, 2005, um, I remember there was a line cook at a place where I was working who um, one of the dishes had chamomile infused something. Well, okay. he had never heard anyone say chamomile out mm -hmm. loud. And so he was prepping that dish and he couldn't find the chamomile. And he asked if anyone had seen the chamomile. And that became a huge hazing point for him. Mm -hmm. Like, did, did that guy feel comfortable <laughs> asking a question for the next six months? Probably yeah. not, because yeah. everyone was going to call him Chamomile. Yeah. You know, so if he could have just said, you know, uh, just typed in, it? how do I yeah. pronounce chamomile? <laughs> Maybe his little robot friend could have helped him out. Well, even I just typed in, too, like how to balance out acidity without sugar. Like you might ah. not use sugar in something. Maybe you're making a keto dish and you want to keep sugar out of it to keep carbs low. You can just go and just like dairy. There's different w ways of cooking. So just like it just gives you so much information. Um, it's not a tool where it should be thinking for you, but getting if you're like me, like I don't know, I feel like I have one of the worst memories. I'm just not good at remembering things. I always need to like look stuff up and then it like unlocks memories for me. So 
I'm, I always need to be like, look, even when I do writing, like if I know like, what well, I do like some equipment guide and I'm like, how does that thing work again? I remember like, how does it actually like, so I have to look up the brand and look up the stove and be like, all right, there's, I have to like visually see the stove again. So I can put myself back into that so- sense. Cause it's just, yeah, so much I think it's, on. it sounds really scary, but I think ultimately chat GPT can be very helpful as a brainstorming tool, you know, mm-hmm the number of times I was sitting in a back office trying to come up with the the catering menu for the next season. That's going to be so interesting. And it's like, we need two more side options. Like, yeah, we have too many Christinis. What else can we put on here? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Like to be able to just type that in and be like, what a, give me some ideas. Cool. Yeah, like, definitely. It's not going to write the recipe for you. It's not going to replace recipe testing because clearly you need to test all of this stuff. Um, And more than likely, it's going to jog some new idea for you. Like, Mm. you're not necessarily going to do every do something exactly the way ChatGPT spit it out to you. Um, But it might jog you to think about something related. And there's your solution. And it's still, you know, it's still you. You're still the one doing the thinking. You're still the one doing the creating. Definitely. What do you think are some of the major issues then in 2023 uh, for restaurants? If you have any that you think people are really focused on well you know i think the big small, challenge especially more for independent restaurants I would yeah say. i think the big challenge for the small indies is um tailoring the technology to what you need um mm-hmm. i think starting the conversation with the ghost kitchen was a really um great example just because your neighbor is doing a ghost kitchen that might not fit your business and yeah. don't be afraid to look at your numbers and look at your available equipment and look at your bandwidth and look at your staff availability and say, you know what, this is not for me. Um, it doesn't mean you're a lesser restaurant. It doesn't mean that you are a Luddite. It doesn't mean you're missing an opportunity. It means you know your business. And that's the real, that that has to be the real focus, I think. Consumers now really want personalization. Every study I look at, every stat I read, every customer I talk to, they want to be known. And maybe this is the social media effect, but they want the businesses that they frequent to know them. Mm -hmm. Um, So really for small independent restaurants, it's more important than the big chains to really know your customers. And yes, of course, in hospitality to know your individual customers, you know, to know that this is Ray's drink and this is his favorite appetizer or Ray's going to be really excited by this special because I know he loves steak. Um, But who doesn't love steak? Um, But to also know your, your most common customer type, you know what I mean? Like if you are a bistro in a college town and most of your patrons are students, or maybe you're an upscale bistro and most of your target audience of the professors and the students' parents when they're there for parents' weekend. Like, know what they want, know what's going to appeal to them and and really dial in to your customers. Are your customers ghost kitchen users? Maybe not. Are your customers going to be repelled by your phones being answered by AI? Then maybe that's not for you. Um, But, you know, look at it's going to be knowing your customers and knowing your business, really, really looking at your analytics, looking at your metrics, seeing if 
you need to make changes. If your profit margins are good and you're keeping your lights on and you're able to go home as an owner or a manager after 60 hours, then maybe you don't need to change anything. But if you're seeing, you know, that you're dropping business because the people in your town or in your location really want to be able to order online and get things delivered to them via DoorDash, then maybe you need to make some changes. Maybe you need to be there in a way that you haven't been yet. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that you could do to not excel in your restaurant or your business is to not talk, like talking to your customers is such an unlock. I think a lot of times the clearest answer is asking them what they want, what they dislike. I mean, especially if you're a small business in a town, you kind of have those people you know and you that frequent often. And I mean, I've had chefs that, you know, I've seen people on town and be like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Like, what are you looking for with food? And ask for honest reviews. And I think that comes with like not having as much ego and being really like open to receiving that feedback. But um, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, well, and customers are not a black box like they used to be in before we had smartphones and social media. And I mean, 2005, when I was starting, Yelp did not exist. We didn't have people were not on smartphones. People were not uh, posting pictures of what they were eating on Facebook. They were very unknowable. They were inscrutable. The only way to know was to physically talk to them. I remember having a little um, tiny pocket sized address book where I would write my regulars in and like write their preferences and things. So I would remember them and keep it in my pocket, like old school Ray. And now you can just put all those notes in a, in your open table or your resi Resi, or your point of sale will spit out a report saying like this person, you know, likes Dr. Pepper or this person, Mm -hmm. You know, this person likes the barbecue ribs or they always order this side and this, you know what I mean? Like you can, they're a red wine drinker. They haven't been in in the last six months. Like send them an email talking about your upcoming wine dinner. Like you don't have to, your customers don't have to be a mystery anymore. We used to have a guest. She's a regular. Um, She used to only come in if we had crab cakes. And so I feel like for the longest time, it was like, not the longest time, but the first few times I was managing, I was like, oh, if we're going to run out, then I'll just tell her no. But then there's part of me that's like, well, if you know she's coming in, she knows she's going to be a sale on the crab cake, then just save her an order of crab cakes and be done with it and then continue have her keep coming in. So it's like knowing your customers, knowing what they're coming for. Um, like you said, Resi, like, uh, I mean, a lot of places do, but I'm familiar with doing Resi, like mm-hmm. having those notes in, knowing aversions, any good things, any bad things that happened last time, like you really can break down each customer you have, especially if you have someone on like duty doing that, like a manager or just even a staff member. So um, yeah, I think that's really cool. I think taking the time and this is where I think like the guides that um, you all put out uh, are really helpful is like taking the time to fully understand what your uh, systems and applications do. I think that's something that if I were to go back to managing restaurants, I probably would have spent a little bit more time on the resources from POS companies and whatnot. And what exactly your stuff does because I feel like a lot of restaurant owners have technology and applications that they are working well at, but they're not using their full potential and they're actually not getting mm-hmm. their full money's worth and they're and they're not using it in a way that would maximize their time as, as much as they could be. I agree with you a thousand percent. That was absolutely my experience managing restaurants as well. And a big part of it is having the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like 
a lot of times when you're dealing with point of sale in particular, and some other restaurant tech, but really point of sale stands out here, the sales rep you're talking to is not a restaurant person. They're a salesperson. And so they mm. don't necessarily know the ins and outs of everything you might use the system for. They yeah. might not even know entirely all the ins and outs of what the system can do. They have this sales line. They have this demo that they do. Um, you have to ask really specific questions when you're going through that demo to really find out if it if there are some of these hidden unlock codes. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, when I would do POS demos, I was always like, bam, 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 list of questions. Like, mm -hmm. hold, please, I need to check with the tech. And it's like, great. I want you to do that because I want to know if the system can do what I actually need. And I want to know if it can do this granular thing for me. But, you know, a lot of times restaurant owners do not have the time to do that. You know, mm -hmm. you you do a demo of a system. You're like, great, this works. Um, let's just get it. Let's get it in the pipeline. I don't want to think about it anymore. Um, yeah. And and so it's it's really important to take a breath and sit through the training and ask some granular questions and find out what the systems can do. Just like you said, like find out what all this can do, because it really can save you a lot of time. Definitely. Yeah. Can't agree more with you on that one. Before we kind of get into the technology advice aspect of this, is there any other points or uh, topics on restaurants in particular that you had on top of mind or wanted to talk about? I mean, I think you've really, you know, it's kind of a fun conversation. I love hearing the war stories though, too. I love hearing about, <laughs> I had this regular who, that's always yeah. one of my first, my favorite segues in a conversation. It's like, ooh, tell me, tell me, were they a weirdo? <laughs> I've definitely had some interesting characters, especially working in New York City, Chicago, and Houston. Um, you know, it's just, I mean, I feel like I've definitely had, I had a customer like th like threatening staff because there was lettuce forgotten on a burger. Um, oh my we actually gosh. had to call the police. I was like, what is going on? Uh, so like, stuff like that. But honestly, I feel like, and maybe it's just my way of doing things. I definitely, like, I've, I've had a guest ask for a charcuterie board with no salt. Uh, the main way this meat is being cured and uh, made. So like stuff like that. But um yeah. Let me tell you a little story about charcuterie. Okay. <laughs> Where it comes from. <laughs> yeah. No, I was yeah. being yeah, yeah, the guest. Yeah, no. I well that was the question. And so I actually went and I was like, hey, just so you know, this is all made. Like, oh, we're good with that. We just don't want salt on it. I was like, all right, you didn't listen to a word I said, enjoy. So <laughs> like no visible salt. Yeah. Those are some of my favorites. Yeah. When it's like, can I have this thing without this thing that absolutely must be in it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or the burger that was ordered medium rare that was brought medium rare that needs to go up to medium and then actually just ends up being well done at the end of the day. Like, so stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, those things are so, those trains are never late. Like, you know, on a Friday, Saturday night, you're like, I'm going to get at least three burgers sent back. <laughs> it's going to be nothing personal. I'm going to have yeah. to talk down the grill cook just for a second. Be like, Rodney, I know it's not you. Mm -hmm. I'm not mad at you. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> the most chaotic times of those nights are though are like getting sent to the store if you're out of something like just well, oh wait can you go grab this ingredient or we're, we're short on this especially when you're like a cook on like and just the the hustle and bustle of getting to a store and getting back and like remember one time i had to go to the store when i was like starting out i had to go to the store for one of my chefs and on the way there there was like an ambulance getting someone off the yeah. side of the road and 
like helping them into like the back of an ambulance van, like on my way like through a city and all, and that took up time getting around that. And, and you're sitting there thinking the whole time, like Chef is never going to believe me when I tell him this. Actually, he's I had to just going to think I was dawdling. It was actually a piece for something, so I actually had to like walk like 0.7 miles to a like a oh, hardware really? store, and so it, it was like just this long trek. So, yeah, but um. Going into kind of the work you do, uh, I know we wanted to discuss a little bit about the guides and everything else um, going on. To, before we start into that, I think anything that you, I know we've talked a lot, I know it's been a blended conversation, but is there anything in particular for end of 2023, beginning of 2024, where you see restaurants should be really focused in on? Is it understanding their technology better? Is it understanding their customers? Do you think, or do you think there's anything else that you, should be on top of mind? I mean, just in general, the end of the year is always the time to look at your equipment and make a plan mm. for the year ahead about what needs to be fixed. Yeah. Like, do not, do not, do not fall into the trap of, of delaying equipment repairs. You will always regret it. It will always happen that some critical piece goes down when the health inspector is there. Like, don't do that to yourself when yeah. you're flush with cash. At the end of Q4, after the event season, sit down, look at the age of all of your equipment and figure out what might need to be replaced, what needs to be serviced and schedule it and get it done. And then yeah. you don't have to worry about it. Then you yeah. have to worry about it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I'll say that one other thing too is um, just with holidays and everything, I think that I think that's probably one of the most stressful times for restaurateurs. So having grace with yourself and just uh, your staff. Mm. I think a big thing too is understanding that like everyone wants to be home for the holidays and most people aren't going to be when they work in restaurants. So I think there's also just a level of like understanding frustration that the inherent need for workers is a big thing that I would suggest. So that's a, I agree with you. Definitely. Especially 2023. The, this is one of the first holiday seasons where maybe COVID might not be a big issue mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. Like this is probably going to be a tough holiday season for your staff that wants yeah. to be home and maybe can't. I would say also take the moment now before the holiday season and really think about what holidays you need to be open for. Like mm -hmm. what holidays are you going to make money? Is it If it's not going to make you money, don't do it. Cut yeah. your staff loose. Let people have some downtime. Do yep. you need to be open Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, Christmas, New Year's Eve? Do you need to be open for all of those? Mm -hmm. I actually saw something cool. Um, just a, aside from that is, you know, football season starting up. I'm from Buffalo, New York. Buffalo Bills are a huge deal in Buffalo. And so for this Sunday, one of the restaurants back home is doing employee appreciation day on the home opener of the Bills game. So mm. I thought that was just a really cool, like, regional, have the day off staff. Let the customers know. I just think that like shows some depth of caring and understanding for your staff and what they value. Because when you work in restaurants, you don't get to watch football games. And so just to give your staff off the opening day of the year for the Bills, I, th I thought that was so cool. That is really cool. I would say, mm -hmm. yeah, I think the theme of this, this episode is sort of know thyself. Like mm -hmm. know your operation, what you need. Know your customers. Know your staff. Mm -hmm. Like that restaurant it was very insightful. They knew their staff was going to want that and that they would feel appreciated having that day off. Like, yeah. just know people. Get to know them. People aren't <laughs> mysteries. Definitely. It's a people business. Yeah, definitely. 
What are the uh, some of the top resources before we head out? I know we're going to come up on 40 minutes. What are some of the top resources on uh, Fit Small Business? And like I said, I'll link below, but that you would suggest people to check out that are in the restaurant space. Yeah, well, I'm really excited about the equipment guides that Ray has been writing. He's got some great mm -hmm. rankings of talking about looking at your equipment at the end of the year. Great <laughs> rankings of uh, refrigerators, commercial refrigerators, commercial ranges, even down to food processors, uh, commercial mm -hmm. food process processors, and your expertise really shows through those. Um, of course, I'm sure this would be polarizing for your listeners, but he also wrote a great guide to a ranking of chef's knives. Mm -hmm. So uh, feel free to to tweet at him and let him know what you think about his recommendations. Um, I already said it to really some industry friends. That. I sent it to some industry friends, and I have one of my friends like, well, my, I would suggest this knife and. I looked at the knife and I was like, it's a nice knife, but it's not currently in stock. So, um, ah, no see, one can go see? It, so. but, <laughs> but it, do it, your yeah, research it, first. <laughs> no, it was a, it is a really good quality knife. It's just unfortunate. It's a smaller producer, but, um, yeah, no, I definitely would love to get feedback on the knife guide. I shared it in a newsletter. I'll share it in this again, but, um, yeah, I think that was good. I think also, uh, I think there's a lot of ones on there that like how to start a restaurant. I think that mm -hmm. a lot of times, I don't know how to maybe I'll explain this is like you could put in the restaurant industry and you get like 70% of the knowledge you probably need. And I think just being able to go read and understand th certain things to get a big picture view on things is key. So how to start a restaurant is really interesting. Um, there's a lot of stuff on menu design. And I know a lot of people in the back of the house might not have that experience. So menu design, menu templates. So there's just a lot going on on the site that I definitely think is relevant for everyone. Well, we have a lot of content coming out in this next uh, four to six week period about catering. So if you're mm. starting up your special event program or you need a refresh on your getting your catering contract and your BEO templates and all of that, um, that's, some of that has just gone live on the site. Um, but yeah, we've got templates for the contract, templates for the BEO, and a lot of great how-to with catering and special events. So if you need to get your mindset right for the end of the year, booking lots of parties. Hopefully everyone's booking lots of parties. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, one of the busier times, you know, I mean, probably summer too, we're passing the wedding season. I mean, fall is a big one, but summer was huge too. So but yeah, definitely a lot. And then even stuff like process, credit card processing and all that. So really good stuff yes. to know. We do have a lot of deep wonk stuff about credit card processing. So if you ever really just want to take a deep dive into like how to win chargeback disputes, how to uh, like what is a good processing rate, one of our payments writers is just deep, deep into just nerd territory on that stuff. It's awesome. Good to know. Cool, Mary. Well, you know, I think this is a really constructive conversation. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? Maybe, you know, where people can find any other of your work that you want to share and that would be the time. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'm most active on LinkedIn and Instagram. So I'm just Mariana King on Instagram and uh, on LinkedIn. I'm Mary King. But I, uh, yeah, I really love what I do. I'm a big nerd about restaurant operations. So if you ever have any questions about how do I do this thing? What does this mean? Uh, hit me up on LinkedIn or Instagram and let me know or talk to Ray, send him an inquiry. We're friends. <laughs> we collaborate all the time. 
So if there's a question you have, there's something you want to know how to do, we would love to find that answer for you. Definitely. And I definitely echo messaging Mary. I mean, you can message me too, but also just like with working with you, the depth of knowledge you have on, especially small business stuff, I think is really key. So um, by the way, get in contact. Well, Mary, thanks for coming on the show. Enjoy this conversation and hopefully we'll have you back at some point. Yeah, I'd love to. It's my absolute pleasure. Awesome. Cool. So there you have my interview with Mary King. Again, thank you all so much for listening to the show. If you are a fan of newsletters, go to linecookthoughts.com, put in your email, and hit subscribe. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving a review would help me out a ton. It helps me get more traction. Let's me know what you all think of the show, so please leave a review. Thank you to Mary for coming on the show. You can find her information in the description of this episode. You can also go to fitsmallbusiness.com, read all of their work, read some of my work as a freelance writer. And just thank you all so much for listening to the show. I will see you on the next Morning Cook Thoughts podcast.